Hey guys, it's Tim and this is Brussling Unlimited as it's Wednesday and that means tonight was AEW Dynamite and to be honest, I actually really like this Dynamite. Usually most weeks I go, good wrestling, not great story, but I actually for the most part liked everything on tonight's AEW Dynamite. I thought this was a really good go home show. I know we still have Rampage, most people aren't going to be watching Rampage, but regardless, I thought if I'm analyzing other go-home shows they've had this year, this was probably one of the better go-home shows that AEW has done in a while. Now, granted, they still did the same dumb stuff as normal and wait till the last minute to announce things. Also, have I missed something with Sting and Darby helping Jericho? Like, did I miss anything there? Or that just came out of nowhere because of the, the Omega injury? Like, have you noticed anything? I think it came out of nowhere because of the Omega injury. Yeah, and also because of that Omega injury, it now puts Sammy Guevara back on the babyface side of things. Honestly, when Jericho said, I'm going to have a mystery partner, I just thought it was going to be a Bushi and we get a tag title match. That's what I thought. So it's interesting that they're going this route, the eight-man tag. Because, uh, I mean, how much sense does it make for him to go, well, Kenny's out. I'll just bring Kenny's buddy uh, Ibushi in, and there's my partner. But it's just weird because Jericho said on Collision, I think it was, or maybe it was last week's Dynamite. I can't remember which one, where he's like, I'm going to get a mystery partner. I'm still getting my tag title shot at the pay-per-view. Now they just completely flipped on that. So I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. The pay-per-view has a lot of good matches. Like four new matches were added tonight, so... We'll Let's see. go off the Bushi. I feel like they're not really using him a whole lot. So the reason it feels like that is because, yes, he signed. But he still told, he told Tony Khan that, at least this is the rumor, that he wanted to still be based in Japan because he's, I guess, got a school there. He trains. So he still wants to be based out of Japan. Which means that he's not going to be getting flown in every single week. He's going to be getting flown in when a big storyline you know, calls for it. Unlike Will Ospreay, who is still going to live in the UK, but get flown in most weeks, every week, however often they want to fly him in. That's the big question is, Will Ospreay is going to be full-time in AEW, but living in the UK, and we saw what that's done with Pac, or Pac, however you want to say it. He's just disappeared. So I don't know what's going on with him and how that could lead to possibly the same thing with Will Ospreay living in the, I don't know. So, a lot of questions to be answered. Well, Pac's also injured, though. Is he still, though? Like, I feel like he's been I, injured I, for I, a I, long time. Well, when was Blood and Guts? Well, that's what I'm trying to... That was, that was July, I believe. I believe so. That's what I was looking up. So, he's had a couple matches since Blood and Guts. Well, sort of. He worked like that rest of the week. So, he did Blood and Guts. On July 19th, then he was on Ring of Honor, uh, the Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view, excuse me, where he no. challenged Claudio oh. for the title. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. And then the next week he was on Dynamite, he beat Gravity and hasn't been seen since July 26th. He was on Dynamite episode 199. We haven't seen him since. I don't know what's going on with him. I know he came back for Blood and Guts. 
and the Ring of Honor title match and was not 100%. Like, it was known that he was not 100%. And we know Tony likes to have people work even if they're not clear. Well, they're cleared, but not 100%. Like Danielson. Danielson did an interview like this week and said he still doesn't have full strength in his arm that broke. So, like, come on. But with that, we'll see how it all does go. We got the final pay-per-view of the year this Saturday. It's AEW World's End. World's End without an apostrophe, which is kind of weird, but... Anyways, a lot of good matches announced for that. We have now nine matches, I want to say, on that show. Let's pull up the Wikipedia. Ten matches. Oh, that's right. Because they added a battle royal to the pre-show. Battle royal, 20-man battle royal, where the winner gets a TNT title shot anywhere, anytime of their choosing. So, And then the... Hook Wheeler Yuta match for the FTW title is also on the pre-show. I don't know if they add more to the pre-show, maybe one more. Because be honest, for a Tony Khan pay-per-view, ten feels light. Ten feels light. He usually does like eleven to thirteen. <coughs> so well, normally I believe he has like three matches on the pre-show. Then right. like he loads up the main show with like ten matches. Exactly, and that's why I was thinking he's going to add at least one more match or two. I don't know what they would be, but yeah, we got a couple. Uh, trying to think. You know what's been interesting is how well I guess they were selling the beatdown from the devil. I'm say I was gonna say Billy Gunn and the acclaimed not defending them titles for a while, but they just defended them like what last week on Collision, so. Those are ones that are it's like, come on, what are you doing with those six-man tags? But we'll see how it all yeah, does go. I, have, I, I don't know what they're doing with those six-man tags. Six-man tags are introducing another title at the pay-per-view, the Continental Championship to make the Triple Crown shit. I don't even know what's going on with that. Eddie Kingston's winning it. I'm going to say it right now. Eddie Kingston's winning the whole dang thing. They did the whole, he's down and out, he can't get it, and then he's going to win it in the end. That's what I think is going to happen. Versus John Moxley, Daddy Kingston picking up the victory. But we got a lot to talk about. It's AEW Dynamite tonight, the New Year's Smash Edition. I was like, thank you for joining us here. Twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited, YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, and podcast services all around the globe, like, like Twitter. Nope, not Twitter, like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Play, and so much more. Remember, if you're watching live, you can help us out right here on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited. You can hit that donate button down below or donate Twitch bits in the live chat. Also remember, you can subscribe to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a tiered subscription or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Because remember, if you have Amazon Prime, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games, and you always get one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month, and I'd greatly appreciate it if you did right here. Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Also, remember to head over to YouTube, hit that subscribe button. That way, you know when we post a new video. That way, you know when we go live. And also, hit that join button to become a channel member. And remember, you can also donate super chats to make sure your question, comment, or concern does get read live on the air. Super chats greatly help the channel. 
finally head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Whether you're buying a new game like Alan Wake 2 or EA Sports FC, getting an older game like Hogwarts Legacy or Jedi Survivor. Maybe you're claiming the free game, Curse to Golf, which is very fun. Or you're getting bucks for Rocket League, Fortnite, or Fall Guys. Use this code right here, PWUNLIMITED at checkout, and you will be supporting us at no extra cost. Heck, you got free skins for... What are what are the free skins right now? You got free skins for Synced. You got free skins for Idle Champions. You got free skins for Fall Guys. You got free skins for Disney Speedstorm. Go claim all of those at no extra cost, no fee at all, and put in the code PWUNLIMITED, and you'll be supporting us for free. Just takes a little bit to go claim all that free stuff on the Epic Game Store. Also, this podcast is brought to you by Upscale Bling, but we'll talk about them a little bit later. As far as Dynamite does go, the show kicks off instantly with a banger. It was the Triple Threat Gold League Finals. It was John Moxley, Swerve Strickland, and Jay White basically figuring out who's going to go to the pay-per-view to fight for the Continental title, the, the Triple Crown Championship, and be the inaugural Continental Classic winner. Because Tony said this is something he wants to do yearly. This is going to be an every-year thing. And so, yeah. Here's my question. Do you think they ever end up doing a female Continental Classic, like maybe over the summer or something? Not do them at the same time, but do it later or different time of the year? I don't know. I don't know if they'll do it over the summer. Maybe like next summer, I believe. This upcoming one, but maybe right. next one. Yeah, because they do the men's and women's Owen. So that right there already has the president of, well, if you're going to do the men's and women's Owen, why aren't you doing a woman's Continental Classic? Maybe... Because, because I heard this all came together like last minute. Like they threw this whole tournament together kind of like a last minute thing to end of the year. Maybe they just didn't have enough time to figure out what they would put on the line for the women's one. But here's my thing. We've had really good matches in this Continental Classic. Like great matches, but I still can't fully get behind the tournament yet because I don't know how they're going to treat this triple crown championship if you get under, if you get what i'm saying like they're just making another belt that's just gonna be lost in the shuffle maybe i don't know is this new person that holds it now the ring of honor world champion as well so they got to be on ring of honor every week they got to defend that title at all the pay-per-views it's just we're still unclear if what they're fighting for is even worth it so that's why to me i still can't be 100% invested in this tournament, if that makes sense. No, I completely understand. Like, like I like the idea of the tournament. Right. Don't get me wrong. Like, it, it makes sense. It's just the prize that, like, exactly makes me, like, not take this tournament seriously. Like, I really wish, like, I know I said this multiple times in the past. Like, I really wish they would have, like, let's say they do the tournament and the winner gets to main event all in or something well yeah double or nothing or maybe even revolution in march if they want to do it as a winter thing then your next pay-per-view is revolution then boom at revolution the winner of the continental classic is your number one contender like there you go but i don't know 
it, it's just I think we just have to sit and wait and figure it all out and see how it all does go. Maybe they do make the triple crown champion a big deal, and we see them a lot in New Japan. We see them a lot in Ring of Honor. We see them a lot in AEW defending that title. I just hope that when they are defending those titles, if they defend them either all together or separate, they're not just random matches. Like, no offense to Orange Cassidy. He's been great as the international champion, but a lot of those matches we didn't care about because they were just random people that hadn't even earned a title shot just being like, eh, I want a title shot. Okay, cool. So I hope this new whatever it is, Triple Crown title, isn't treated like that where it's just a bunch of random matches that don't even feel like title matches. Uh, Just Laying Down says it's the Wish version of the G1 Climax. Yeah, kind of. See, here's the other thing with the G1. The reason the G1 is regarded as this big-time, hardcore, whatever you want to call it, tournament, is because these guys are also working multiple matches a week. These guys are also working often, wrecking their body, putting on banger after banger, sometimes two, three nights a week in a row. Here, they're working one match a week, except for Brian and Andrade one week had to work two. Other than that, it's like, okay, we're getting good matches, but if you want this to be considered like the G1, the reason the G1 is so highly regarded is because how many matches you're working and how many matches within a short period of time you're working. Not, oh, you're going to work a match a week. It's no different than before the tournament. Moxley works every Dynamite. He's still working every Dynamite here. So that's the other thing that was just like, you know, we're getting good matches. But we could have got all these good matches outside of it being a tournament as well. So, as far as this finals match does go, it was a really good match. They did tell us right before the match started. They hadn't told us this before. So, I'm glad they told us this before the match started. That basically this match is no count out, no disqualification. There must be a winner. Because when they were fighting all over the place in this match using weapons, yeah, it would have not made sense. But it made sense when they told us no rules, basically. The White was taken out early, which allowed Strickland and Moxley to go at it for a little while before Strickland eventually dumped Moxley to the outside. Moxley sent both Strickland and White into the crowd where White was crotched on his security guard rail. Strickland then set up Moxley on a chair, got a running start, and connected with a pump knee. The brawl continued up the steps before going back to the ringside area where White Chop blocked the leg of Moxley that was softened up last week. With Moxley down on the floor, White zoned in on Strickland in the ring and tried to do, tried to pin him multiple times but was to no avail. White went after Moxley once more, which allowed Strickland to try a dive, but White sidestepped him. And then he ate a sliding knee on the apron by Strickland. The pace quickened up. When Strickland and Moxley hit the ring, as Strickland gave him the middle finger and then got the middle finger and then got lariated to the mat by Moxley. White then pulled Strickland to the floor, but he got caught and had his finger stomped on by Moxley and was sent to the outside by White. Who was sent to the outside by White? Strickland then connected with a high fly flow crossbody on both men as we went to a picture in picture. Moxley flew in with a tope on Strickland when things returned from the break. Back inside, there was a stiff corner lariat, some punches, and biting of the hand 
before a stalling pile driver by Moxley for a two. There's some anvil elbows by Moxley with a transition into a key lock, which Strickland escaped in the corner. He went to the top, but then dove right into a pendulum shift, a paradigm shift for a two. Moxley cleared off the ring attendance table as White appeared with a chair and hit him in the back with it. Remember, no DQ. White then cracked Moxley in the back leg, bad leg, back of the bad leg, and then they go back inside the ring where Strickland got a wild close pin, like 2.99. Strickland then kicked out of a pin attempt as well and connected with the house call, which led to a powerbomb transition into a power slam. A top row 450 splash connected, but Moxley flew in and broke it all up before we go to another break. Three, as we come back, we're just slugging it out in the ring. White then laid out Strickland with a half and half until Moxley applied a rear naked choke on Jay White. Once more, Strickland flew in with the house call and broke everything up, but Moxley leveled him with a lariat only to turn it into a Blade Runner for a two into a great sequence. White again went to use the chair, and he did by laying out both men before wedging the chair into the corner. To the surprise of no one, though, Strickland turned the tables on White, and he went crashing into the chair. Strickland nearly stole the win off of Moxley, the same way Moxley won a few weeks ago with a handful of tights. He got a two. There was a couple big boots and some discus lariats that dropped Moxley. And then we saw Strickland go for a JML driver, but Strickland went to the top to go for the swerve stomp, and White sent him crashing to the floor. Moxley nearly then beheaded JY with a huge clothesline, hit him with a death rider, and pinned him to win the gold league and move on to the finals of this Saturday. Uh, that was a really fun match. I thought that they did a good job with the three, and it didn't really feel like, oh, it's two, one's healing up. Two, another guy's healing up. I thought they did a lot of good three-person spots in this match as well, but what do you think of the match itself? I thought the match was really good. I thought it, I thought it made like every wrestler almost feel like just as strong. But here's my big question. We know what's next for Swerve. We know it's Moxley going to the finals. No follow-up, no nothing for Jay White. Like nothing for Jay White. I get it. He's the one that got pinned. So Swerve still gets to look strong and not getting pinned. But it's like I would have liked something, like him freaking out backstage in an interview with Renee or something. Maybe we'll get something on social media. But yeah, my question is, what is next for Jay White? I mean, I'd say they'll probably just have him do something on collision. Trying to think. Ooh. Maybe him and the guns going for them trios titles against Billy and the acclaimed. That I mean, wouldn't be bad. I mean, they, they need they need challengers <laughs> for those belts. Right. And it's only the three of them right now because Juice is out injured. Also, speaking of Billy Gunn, you see freaking Scotty Tuhati worked before Dynamite, and he had the old Too Cool music? I saw a picture that he was working, but yeah. like I, Bill, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know he, did he actually used the Too Cool music. Yeah, he had the Too Cool music, and then the screen says Scott Taylor on it. He can't be Scotty Tuhati, of course, but he used his real name, Scott Taylor, and I guess it was like he teamed with, Billy and the Acclaimed? Hold on, I'm going to look it up again. I saw it earlier, but I didn't. Does um, he own the rights to that music or something? Or I don't know. 
Let me see. Um, ba -ba 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 -bum. Does Scotty Tuhati wrestled before AEW Dynamite tonight with the original Too Cool theme? But I don't know how he was able to use the song. Unless it's just a regular song that WWE licensed back in the day and didn't own. I mean, it's got to be. But it was, uh, he teamed with the acclaimed and Billy Gunn against the Guns, Matt Menard, and Jake Hager. It was just a dark match. No clue if it's going to air anywhere because the ring apron and all the graphics on the screens said dynamite. So it was just a normal dark match. It wasn't, I assume, not filmed for anything. I'm sure it was probably just a dark match yeah. just to get the fans hyped up. Oh, I saw a video. People were losing their mind when they realized it was him when they heard the music. So, cool. I know he's been working there as a uh, producer. So, shocked that it took him this long to actually have him work a match. So, we go backstage to Tony Schiavone. He's with Swerve and Prince Nana, who are frustrated about the loss. Strickland said that he wanted this so badly as the Continental Classic was a breathing life back into the wrestling business. Was it really, though? Was it really making the wrestling business that much better? I don't think so. It was cool because we were getting good matches. But again, all these, excuse me, all these matches we could have been getting outside of the tournament anyways. But regardless. Strickland then brings up Keith Lee wanting to pay him a visit with this was weird because Keith Lee said on Collision that he'd be at Dynamite to confront Swerve. I didn't see Keith Lee at all. Um, Shivani then said that Lee is here tonight. But in case he missed Strickland, he has a contract for a match at World's End. Nana was furious and was like, wait, this didn't get approved. I didn't, I didn't say we can do this. And Shivani goes, well, that's why I'm giving you the contract so you can look it over and approve it. And then they, whatever, they're like, fine, we'll see him on Saturday. And then the match is announced official. So Prince Nana didn't even get time to look over the contract to approve it before the match got official. Which, again, it's AEW's shoddy storytelling. Prince Nana says he needs to look it over and approve it first. And then like five seconds later, it is official. This Saturday it will be Keith Lee against Swerve Strickland at World's End. Like, what the hell? He just said, we got to look this over first. I don't, I don't know. But he didn't have to sign the contract. He just told he was going to do it. So we're finally getting the match that we were supposed to get like a year and a half ago. What do you think of them finally doing this one-on-one -on -one match? I mean, I know like, I know like a year ago, they kind of like settled the rivalry with like, with like Dustin and. Right. Keith Lee, I can't remember that tag team. Uh, naturally Limitless. Yeah, Naturally, that was, a, that was just a stupid name. Well, because Keith Lee is Limitless, and Dustin Rhodes is The Natural. Naturally Limitless. That's their ship name. I mean, what do you think is worse, that or Ward Joe, when they had Wardlow and Samoa Joe team together? Fucking Ward Joe was the dumbest name I ever heard. I hate the word. I mean, I'm, I'm honestly... 
I'm honestly glad they stopped pairing like random people up together. They haven't done yeah. that in a while. Yeah. I mean, the match yeah, should be good. I think There's the no way it should be good. I, Go for it. No way Swerve's losing, though. Exactly what I was going to no say. Way he's losing. Yeah, no. No way Swerve loses. I mean, I would love to see Keith Lee win because I feel like he just needs a win. But there's just no way Swerve's losing. Nope. So Renee Paquette's on the stage. And she brings out Mariah May. And she says, why did you do what you did last week to Riho? May said, well, because 2023 was all about supporting Tony Storm. So 2023 didn't have enough glamour. And my debut, and then, well, she says all that. Renee then asks her, when are we going to see you in the ring? And she goes, well, I have an announcement. Next week, on the first Dynamite of 2024, I will be making my in-ring debut for All Elite Wrestling. 2024 will be the year of Mariah May. Which, there were some boos from the crowd. Because some of this crowd in Orlando did not care for her. Rio's music hit. Rio then chased her into the ring. Out then came Tony Storm. Tony tried to hit her with the title. Rio dodged. She then tried to hit her with a 619, the Tiger Fank kick. Tony got out of the ring. And then Rio picked up the belt and was like, yeah. Well, actually, first... She hit Luther, Tony, and Mariah with a crossbody off the top, then picked up the title and was like, yeah, this could be mine. Cool. I don't know why we're supposed to care about Riho as the challenger at all. I mean, she's not going to win. No, not at all. Like, no. Well, the whole reason why she's kind of getting a shot in the first place is because she was also, like, the first ever AEW Women's Champion. And that's why they want us to think she could beat Tony Storm. But no one's dumb enough to think she will. She hasn't really done anything with AEW ever since she lost the belt. She's done like spot matches here and there, but yeah, nothing significant. This is probably the only significant thing she's done. Like she may have got she may have gotten a random T and TBS title shot. Let me see. Was, was she even in the tournament? Which tournament? The uh, TBS one. I don't know. Oh, she did. So she did challenge earlier this year. She did challenge uh, Jamie Hayter for the woman's title. But other than that, yeah, since being the first champion, nothing really. Yeah, nothing to note. Moving forward, Top Flight and Axe and Andretti were backstage. We talked about uh, losing to the acclaimed and daddy ass, but they still wanted competition. And then all of a sudden in comes Orange Cassidy, Trent, and Rocky. Orange is just like, so you're going to challenge for a six-man match, and we're going to be standing over there, and you're not even going to ask us if we want to fight? Yeah, I'll see you on Rampage. This is very anticlimactic. And then Rocky goes, he did the same thing to me last week. I talked about a shot, uh, a match, and he just said we're doing it. And then Taz kind of, well, then, so, yeah, this is all kind of weird. And then Action Andretti grabs a water bottle, does the thing where you take the water bottle and just drink it really fast, and freaking Taz couldn't help but just laugh. Him and Annex Caliber were laughing. So it's Orange Cassidy, Trent Beretta, and Rocky Romero 
against Top Flight and Action Andretti Friday on Rampage. Remember, no collision this week because of the pay-per-view on Saturday. They just said, screw it. We're not doing a collision at all. You know what they should do? But. They should take a they should take a uh, a note from WWE back in the day. Remember back I don't know if you remember this, but back in the day, the pre-show for WWE's pay-per-views was Sunday Night Heat on MTV. So what AEW should do is do an early episode of Collision as the pre-show for the pay-per-view. That wouldn't be a bad idea, but. It's either, it would just take a lot of time to like, you know, like the, like the collision graphics. No, just out of there before the. Pay- oh, at the ramps though, like, like the. No, you just use the same stage. Collision. Just like when they film, like when I went to Dynamite earlier this year, and then they filmed Rampage right after. I mean, it was only a five-minute transition, maybe ten at the most. WWE, they used to do it all the time where they would. Tape SmackDown and then go right into 205 Live. So hmm, it wouldn't have been an issue at all. So that could be a good way to be like, hey, this is not just a random episode of Collision. This is an episode of Collision right before the pay per view, like the moments before the pay per view, hyping that up. Granted, people would get upset because they're used to the, the, the zero hour pre show being free on YouTube. But I think it's not a bad idea for them to look into if they're going to keep doing Saturday pay-per-views and losing out on the collision for the week. Why not? If you're already filming the two hour pre-show anyways, <coughs> let me see something. When is AW revolution? Is that a Sunday or a Saturday pay-per-view? I want to say Sunday, March 3rd, which is a, that's a Sunday. So that wouldn't even matter. But yeah, even for the one or two Saturday pay-per-views a year, do Collision as the pre-show. Well, a lot of their AEW's pay-per-views lately are on Sundays. Now, they used to be on Saturdays for a while, but I don't know why they changed them to Sundays. So I know the reason this one is not on Sunday is because they don't want to go against the NFL. But they are going against the NFL because they're Saturday games this week. They're going against... Well, now, well not only that, but I feel like they, they still want to play into the MJF stuff where, like. Well, true, the 31st. But they're going against the Lions and Cowboys. It's actually going to be a very big game. A lot of people are going to watch that game. That's the only oh, yeah. that's the only Saturday game this week. But, again, it starts right at the same time as the paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It starts at the exact same time as the pay-per-view, 5 o'clock. The 5 uh, I mean, Pacific. People, I mean, people can always, like, watch both, though, at the same time. Good. But I don't know how many people would. But we've also seen in the past when AEW would go against other sports stuff, there'd be, because it, it's, I forget which pay-per-view it was. It may have been last year's full gear. No, it was... It was double or nothing, I believe, 2022. Like, it was the Eastern Conference Finals, Celtics versus Heat. Tony oh, Khan was saying, Tony Khan was saying that, like, we'll start off with some good matches in the beginning. 
the middle will be like the so-and-so matches and we'll save the best matches for the last well i remember that but i remember there was a uh there was a pay-per-view it had to have been a full gear that went against the nfl that saw a lot of late buys where people were buying the show like two hours after it already started because that's when the football game ended so we'll see how it goes we'll see what kind of numbers they do or don't do i mean overall we got 10 matches announced so far Maybe get one or two more announced on Rampage. We go from there. I don't think the viewership for this one will be like as big as like a as like a full gear. Well, no, because not only are for well, no, because I was gonna say it's not New Year's Eve. If it was New Year's Eve, they'd be really screwed because a lot of people won't even be home then. But yeah, no. We'll see. I don't, I just there's no no like other than like MJF and Samoa Joe, which kinda got more hype tonight after what we saw at the end of the show, and then the Christian and Copeland match. I I really only care about two matches on this entire card. I'm looking at right now, if I'm going to be honest. Like John Moxley and Eddie Kingston is going to be a really good match. We know it, but again. I'm not fully invested in what this tournament gives you because we don't know how they're going to treat the title. But other than that, it's like the only two matches I care about on this card, I think Christian and Copeland in an ODQ match should be really good. And then MJF and Joe is going to be whatever that match is going to be. Yeah, out of 10 matches, I only care about two so far. Which which match do you care about more, uh, the Copeland Christian match or the the TNT title? Because I know that Joe's not winning against MJF, but there is a chance that either Christian or Adam Copeland can walk out the champion. I mean, there's a chance that Samoa Joe can win because if they have him win, then it could really have fans think like, "Oh, is MJF actually going to leave?" Hmm. Maybe. Or, hey, what if the devil screws over MJF? Well, that's one thing that I was thinking could happen. And now we know that apparently Joe has been working with the devil. So does that mean Joe knows who the devil is? Is Joe the devil? Mm. If it was, it would kind of be a letdown. Yeah, it's. I think at this point it's Adam Cole. And they're just... Trying to stretch it out now because of the injury. I don't know who reported. I think it was Fightful. It might have been Fightful that reported. They said that, I believe they said the henchmen are the real henchmen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The people under the masks, under the black whatever, are the people. Which are now, the ring, which are now the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. I don't even know who that is. Well, here's my thing. If Adam Cole is the devil, then I think the henchmen are the kingdom... Roderick Strong, maybe even a returning Kyle O'Reilly. Remember, we saw, know, like, we saw what, four tonight. One of the henchmen looked pretty buff, though, because that, that yeah. makes me think it might have been like might be like a bigger dude. I'm trying to think. Maybe Mike Bennett could be like the bigger guy because he's got kind of broader shoulders. At least he did at one point, but I don't know. How big is uh, Alex Hammerstone? I mean, that's not a bad guess, but 
I don't think. So, what you're talking about with the whole fightful thing of saying that the people have been the people in the masks for a while. He wouldn't have been able to do AEW two, three, four, five weeks ago because I don't think his deal's up with MLW to the end of the year. Like he finishing, he finished up with that last show this week. So I don't even think. I don't know. They could. But they could retcon us, yeah. True. I mean, if Uh, anything, go for it. Someone said maybe someone in the Twitch chat said maybe Wardlow. So some people think Mm. it's Wardlow because a couple of weeks ago, one of the guys under the mask was really buff, and then Wardlow came out like five, not even five minutes later, with messy, messy hair, like someone that just pulled a mask off their head. So I don't know, but I would think if Hammerstone's going to come in for something like this, he would end up coming in and helping MJF because of their past. I mean, I could totally see Hammerstone going against him because maybe he could be like, like you left me right for years to go to AEW. Like we were supposed to do this together. True. So moving forward, a video package played. It was Miro. He was shown saying only once the Continental Classic was finished, he would seek to fight Andrade. Miro doesn't want to fight Andrade because he's uh, the client of his wife. He wants to fight because Andrade is an a-hole. And that match will happen this week. I highly doubt that CJ will be there. Have you seen her finger? Yeah, that, that thing looks Yeah, rough. I highly doubt she's at the pay-per-view. I mean, she could be, but I don't know. Because apparently... Miro's winning. Good chance, yeah. But yeah, apparently she... Go for it. Because the rumor is Andrade might be like wrapping up with AEW. Then he's going to go work C- CML, CML for a while. Mm, I know his deal... Let me see. I can tell you when his deal is up. Because I think but he's still got a couple I, months. I heard, like, he wants to, like, he's going to be done with AEW. Then, then while he's still under contract, he might go work CML. Right. He's Well, he's been working CML the last couple of weeks. And because... Because yeah, the rumor is... Go for it. Because the rumor is if he does return to WWE once his AEW contract is up, he wants to do, like, one final, like, CML yeah. run before... Before, if he does want to return to WWE. Correct. And he's been working CMLL every week, and since Charlotte's been injured, she's been going there with him. We've seen her the last two weeks in the crowd. I'm trying to find... Oh, here it is. His contract is reportedly up, Andrade, sometime this summer. Is when his deal is reportedly up. Yeah, that match. My also concern. My also, my other concern is like, what if AEW adds time to his deal? Because like, did they? I don't think they did. Like, once he was like out for a while. Yeah, I don't think so. But he was. They could. They could. They could. could. Maybe they do at the last minute. I don't know. Can they do that? Yeah. No, they could add it at any time. They could be like, oh, your deal's not up in uh, in April. It's up in August. Hmm. Moving forward, Don Callis' family was out to celebrate Boxing Week, which I still don't know what that is because I'm not from Canada. Coach Shivani introduces Don Callis, Kanosuke Takeshita, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Kyle Fletcher. Callis said that there's been a lot of stuff going on outside of wrestling for him the past two weeks, which has been very difficult. Not really sure what it is. Callis says that he couldn't have gotten through it without his family. So to honor them, he got them all gifts, which were portraits. 
All these were very funny. Uh, the Hobbs portrait, having Callus throwing up a West Side sign. The one with Fletcher, boxing kangaroos. There was a fourth that we didn't see. And now would come Sammy Guevara. Guevara made his big return to AEW tonight and basically just caught Don off guard. Guevara cut off Don as he was trying to talk to him. He was like, hey, long time no talk. I've been gone, and you haven't reached out once. He's like, what? You didn't get the gift for the baby? And he's like, no, I didn't. Don's like, ah, damn Canadian Postal Service. Dallas then says, well, I knew you'd be back eventually. I have a picture for you. I have a portrait of your own. And it was a picture of him surrounded by the Don Callis family while he was holding his child in the middle. Guevara got upset and said, who gave you permission to put my baby on this picture? <clears throat> Dallas said, hey, hey, don't, don't worry about it. It's all good, but I know you're not mentally capable of being a good parent. So we're here for you instead. We're going to help you raise this child. Guevara said the Callis is making things about himself, not about the group. When he was out with a concussion, Don didn't care about him because he wasn't around. Callis said that he was disappointed that Guevara dropped the ball, got hurt, and then left for five months to go have a baby. Callis put, a, put out the ultimatum. You choose this family or your other family. If Guevara picks the wrong choice, he'll be remembered as a big Big disappointment. Disappointment in this family and disappointment as a wrestler and a disappointment as a father. Guevara then shoved down Don Callis for Hobbs and everybody else would attack. This would then lead to Chris Jericho coming out to make the save with the baseball bat. He then smashed all the pictures and allowed Sammy to take the bat and smash the final painting. Jericho and Guevara slowly teased shaking hands before they were attacked by Big Bill and Ricky Starks. The lights would go out and stay out and then we're out to where commentary is going. What the heck's going on? Why are the lights still out? What is going on here? And then eventually we see Sting and Darby in the ring as Giovanni yells, It's Sting and Darby Allen. So they're there. They get baseball shots in on everybody. Sting, Allen, Guevara, and Jericho then stand tall as everybody else retreats. And so, yeah, we think, oh, this is going to lead to Jericho and Sammy challenging for the tag titles. Oh, no. Oh, no, that is not what's happening because it was announced later that it is Jericho, Sammy, Darby, and Sting against Big Bill, Ricky Starks, Kyle Fletcher, and Powerhouse Hobbs. Not even Takeshita in this match. Also, what kind of random-ass match is this for Sting's retirement tour? Sting's going to probably work, what, two minutes? Stand on the apron the rest of it? Like, this is a lit-down if we're supposed to be getting Sting's retirement tour, what do you think of this? I mean, for Sting, it's no different than like all the other tag matches he's worked in the past. I mean, I, like, I mean, do you agree? Yeah. This is what he's been doing. Like, this is probably just like another one of those matches where Sting doesn't have to do as much. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I highly doubt he works as like a singles match. Any match he's going to work, it's going to be a tag match. So you think that final match of Revolution is going to be a tag match or a singles match? It would have to be a tag match. What I if? Think. What if his retirement match is against Darby? Where Darby goes, you know what? I've never faced you, and I only have one more chance to face you. 
I know you've been my mentor and I know you've helped me out a lot, but I want the opportunity to say that at least once I had a match with Sting. And then we get like Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, WrestleMania 24. I can see it. But here's my question. Like, like, are they going to let Darby go like all out in this match? Like he always does in a lot of his matches. Are they going to like have I, him be like restricted on like, Nope. I think Sting I, cannot do. I think Sting's going to say, let's have the craziest, wildest final match of my career. You hear Goldberg say he wanted to face Sting in his retirement tour and like AEW turned him down or whatever. It's actually kind of weird. I don't know why AEW turned him down. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Where is it? Let me see. Unless, unless he was asking for like too much money or something. So Sting or Goldberg was on a podcast. I'm gonna read the quote. And where was it? Um, I know on the podcast he bitched about Vince because Vince was supposed to give him one more match as a retirement match. Ooh, congratulations, Gunther and Ginny had a baby. I didn't know she was pregnant. Gunther's the father. But um, I'm trying to find the Goldberg thing now. Gold, let me do it this way. Oh, here we go. Nope, that's not it. Goldberg. Sting. Let's see, Goldberg claims that he tried to be part of Sting's retirement. He says, Sting is the reason I'm in the business. Sting set a great example. He's about to retire. I tried to be part of his retirement. I would not have chosen... To get into the wrestling, the world of professional wrestling, if it wasn't for Sting. He was a normal dude who went out and did abnormal things. Wrestling is like being in the circus. It truly is. I never looked at it with much respect. But after I watched him from afar, I realized that I had the ability to go do it. He was not, on, he was not only a performer. He had self-respect and he commanded respect. He's one of the best human beings on the planet and he set an example for me, and I tried to grab it and run with it and make him proud. I had the best time of my life in the ring with Sting. He doesn't fully say that he was, like, turned down, but he did say that he wanted to be part of Sting's retirement, but it's not going to happen. I mean, I, I would have seen that as, wouldn't you see that as a kind of a letdown if it's Sting's final match is just Goldberg? It would be kind of a letdown. Unless. Uh, what? They're going to bring in Sting or Goldberg for one match just to lose the Sting? I mean, I could, I can see Tony Khan doing it just to take a shot at WWE. Be like, like, yeah, we got to use Goldberg. Yeah. But. I, I don't know. It, it would be kind of a letdown because I feel like if they did bring him in, it would just be a one-time thing. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. If it whoever Sting's final opponent is going to be, it should be someone who's actually like signed full time in AEW, and it should be someone who like benefits from it. That's why I think it should be Darby. Darby is Sting has been by Darby's side basically his whole time in AEW, and so what better way than to have him go out by having one of these crazy Darby Allen matches? As his final match ever. I think that's the route you go. 
You have Darby versus Sting with Ric Flair in Sting's corner. If it's not Darby, who else could it really be? Yeah, that I Jer- Jericho. Maybe that would make a little bit of sense. Let me see. Let's look up the AW roster real fast. Christian Cage, Adam Copeland. No, they don't really have a history with him. Well, Christian does from TNA. Adam Copeland but, doesn't. No. Other than they teamed together at the last pay per view. And for some reason, the AW roster website will not load. Oh, there it goes. It's loading very slowly. All right, let's pull this up on the screen. <coughs> let's see. AW roster page. We've got Adam Cole, but he's gone. He doesn't have any history with Sting. Copeland, not really. Adam Page, hmm. Andrade, no. Looking, looking, looking. Billy Gunn. I mean, he did do the one thing at WrestleMania 31 when DX and the NWO came out during the Triple H Sting match, but other than that, no. Danielson, no, but would be a great match. Jericho, maybe. Looking Christian, maybe. Because I'm looking... Darby makes the most sense to me so far. Um, Eddie Kingston, no. Ethan Page, no. It still baffles me every time I look at this, and it shows Griff Garrison still on the roster. Jeff, uh, uh, Jeff Hardy, maybe? Oh, Lord. Remember last time we had Jeff Hardy versus Sting? Jeff Hardy was so incoherent, he couldn't even work the match. Is that in TNA? Yeah. You don't remember this? I don't think so. No. So, story was time. That, was that basically was that basically like people were saying that was like the worst match ever? <laughs> so what happened was it was Sting. It was a turning point pay per view. If I'm thinking correctly, it was Sting versus Jeff Hardy. And nobody could find Jeff Hardy as the match is about to start. Sting makes his way out to the ring. They find Jeff Hardy in the bathroom, all kinds of drugged up. Drunk or whatever. And he barely walks out to the ring and immediately sits down in the corner. And Sting's just like, I can't have a match with this guy. Sting hits him with the death drop, pins him one, two, three. Sting's pissed as all hell and walks out. That's some Bischoff was running TNA. So, but was that like, was that basically like people were saying that was like the worst match ever though? Like, well, TNA. yeah, because Jeff Hardy couldn't do anything because he was so just blitzed. Yeah, no, it was Vic- yeah, Fonzie says it. Victory Road 2011. I thought it was Turning Point, but it was Victory Road 2011. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm watching the match right now. Oh, yeah, you can watch that in the next, like, two minutes. Like, there's nothing to it. <laughs> he has, like, ten minutes of, like, them doing the entrance. Uh... Yeah, it was them doing the entrance. Who was, like, the old announcer for, like, TNA back in the day? I'm pretty sure he works for WWE now as, like, a writer. Jeremy Borash? Was it Borash at the time? Because Borash is now... He does, like, content stuff at the PC with the NXT brand and whatnot. He was the one 
that was behind the Bungyard match. So yeah, I got it here right now. Yeah, that's Borash. That's Borash. Oh yeah, it was him because he also had a match against Josh Matthews. Yeah. So yeah, Jeff Hardy's in the ring. He's sitting in the corner. He stands up and immediately sits back down. He like does the ring intros, but you can see Sting's face. He knows that this ain't happening. So there it is. Bischoff then walks down. He goes, "Time out, time out." He then whist- He says something. I don't. I don't have the audio on because I can't play the audio on the stream. But he basically he's like t- whispering to Jeff about like work the match or something. Well, yeah. He basically they changed the whole plan of the match right here on the fly. And he tells Jeff, hey, this is what's going to happen. Jeff, just all kinds of out of it. Sting backs him into the corner. They try to tie up. They can't really tie up. Jeff tries to pin Sting. Sting then hits him with the drop, the uh, scorpion death drop, and pins him one, two, three. Sting looks so disappointed. He's just looking at Jeff like, you motherfucker. And that was... Jeff was the world champion. Now was for the world title. Now was that pay per view? Yes, it was the uh, Victory Road pay per view, main event. And again, there's a good interview with Brian Hebner talking about this whole thing because Brian was the referee here. So you can you can find that interview on YouTube. It's a really good watch. I've watched it before. And then I think Bruce Pritchard was in TNA at the time and talked about it on his podcast. Yeah, so. What if it was Jeff Hardy versus Sting at Revolution? Jeff saying that, hey, I'll do a sober match to make up for 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Yeah, that was in 2011. Yeah, long time ago. But back to the show. It w- Go for it. it. It would be funny, but I don't think they'll have Jeff like, like making jokes about it. Like, no, I'll, like I'll be sober for this match. Well, like Jeff won't even agree. Jeff won't even agree to that. I don't know about that because remember when they did the whole Sheamus Jeff Hardy drunk stuff in WWE during the pandemic when they were working out of the PC. They had Jeff, like, pee in a cup. They did all that alcohol stuff with him and Sheamus. Where they had him arrested, remember? They also, so, they also had something else where, like, they accused him of, like, running over Elias or something while yeah, he was intoxicated. saying that he was drunk driving and he ran over Elias. That was part of the Sheamus stuff, I believe. Yeah, that, that was a wild time. I think at that point they were just like, we don't really care what we put on television. I think now they do. Well, yeah, that was all. That was a Vince call for sure. But no, Jeff Hardy wouldn't be a bad choice, especially because then you can be like, hey, because Jeff can come in. The whole story could be Jeff can come out and go, we did have a match back in the day, and I ruined that match by not being one hundred percent. He doesn't have to say he was drunk or high or anything like that. He can just say I ruined that match by not being. At 100%, I disrespected you by showing up for the match like I was. I want one more chance to have a great match with Sting. Maybe Jeff Hardy. I still I still say Darby makes the most sense, though. 
It would benefit Darby more than it would yes. Jeff. Especially when's the last time we saw the Hardys do anything on AEW television? Matt was talking about this recently on his podcast. That yeah, just... Matt's been saying like he that he thinks that they're not being used correctly. Yep. So I mean, ever since Jeff, I mean, ever since Jeff returned, they mainly have been used as like comedy wrestlers. Yeah, like what twice? They'd still, yeah. have, and it's not even the fact of how they're being used; it's how little they're being used. So we go back, Roderick Strong and the Kingdom are in the back, showing off a bulletin board of who's the devil. They say Max is the devil. All signs point to MJF. Um. Strong promises he will expose Max. The board then uh, gave off Charlie from... Basically, it looked like Charlie from It's Always Funny in Philadelphia vibes. Let me move in. Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston in the Blue League Finals. There's a rematch from just two weeks ago. The crowd is loudly behind Kingston here. Danielson knows it. Kingston connected with a Saito suplex early. Huge tope to the floor to follow. Loud chops around ringside for Kingston before heading back into the ring where Danielson got the revenge with some chops of his own. Kingston exploded out of the corner with a double double hand chop before going to the apron where Danielson punted the leg out and hit him with a DDT on the edge of the ring, followed by a flying knee to the floor. Danielson controlled the entire break and dodged the Kingston comeback that led to a trash uh, trash talking spot, saying Kingston is just going to ultimately have to quit, like he always does. The insults and the kicks that ensued fired up Kingston. Danielson was then planted with an exploder, and this kind of gave Kingston some hope, but then Danielson countered a back fist. Kingston then hit, uh, was then put into the label lock, and then there was a DDT and a double down. There were some machine gun chops from Kingston. Danielson then spat at Kingston during an onslaught, which resulted in just more chops, and frickin' Danielson's chest was beat to hell. Danielson then countered another exploder suplex, and he sank in yet another label lock, but Kingston did get to the ropes to break the hold. So even though it's no DQ, no count out, there's still rope breaks, which is weird. Because if Danielson didn't Break the hold. How was he going to get DQ'd? You know what I mean? So, I don't know. There were some anvil elbows from Danielson as he is just beating the crap out of Eddie Kingston at this point. Kingston, though, at one point spun out of a back suplex and landed on Danielson's face with another double down as we go to commercial break. Come back to a chop battle until Danielson changed the levels and put some kicks in. Kingston then fired back with some more chops, loud ones at that. Danielson's chest again beat blood, beat blood red. He managed to block a few chops into a bridging suplex and get a two off of it. There were some yes kicks. Kingston then spat at Danielson this time, avoided a corner drop kick, and turned Danielson inside out with a lariat, followed by a Northern Lights bomb for a two. Both then traded pin attempts and some home run shots as Danielson connected with, <coughs> with a Busak knee. Excuse me, I cannot get rid of this cough. Kingston then barely kicked out at 2.9. The facial expression of Kingston after this was like, man, I thought I was done for. Series of anvil elbows. 
And Danielson then opted to kick Kingston in the head and then demanded the referee stop the match. But Kingston lifted one finger to flip Danielson off. Wanting to go for one final shot, and Danielson charged with another Busaku knee, but he went right into a back fist to the eye and then a half and half suplex. Another wild back fist led to a Kawada powerbomb and a high stack that gave Kingston the victory. So there we go. Eddie Kingston does pick up the win. Before we get to the post match with Moxley, what do you think of the match? Oh, the match was really good. I, I could say this was probably the best match of the night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this match was great. I loved it as well. I mean, I knew <laughs> Kingston was winning. I, I'm sure a lot of people probably thought that Danielson was going to win because I know when they first announced the tournament, they had him by, like, Tony Khan's side. Right. So I can see a lot of people thinking that Danielson was going to win the whole thing, but it's going to be Kingston. So when they did the whole thing with Danielson where he was like, oh, Eddie Kingston can never beat me. Eddie Kingston's not as good as me and this and that. And And when he started talking about how, like, Eddie Kingston's not going to win, Eddie Kingston, when they really started doing the whole beating it into us that Eddie Kingston's down and out, that's when I go, oh, they really want us to think that Kingston can't win because he's going to win. Oh, yeah. It's going to be Kingston winning the whole thing. Yeah. It has to be. Well, also, it would make Eddie Kingston in storyline look like just a dumb mother sucker when he put up his other two belts. Like, he would look like the dumbest person in the world to put up your two titles and then lose them both in this tournament. Especially if he didn't make the finals. Right. Now, granted, there is a... What's the word I'm looking for? Kingston should win, but there's a good argument on why Moxley should win. Because it would elevate whatever this triple crown is going to be by putting it on Moxley. Speaking of Moxley, Moxley came down to the ring and checked on Danielson for having a little stare down with his old friend, Eddie Kingston. Moxley took the microphone and said that all he's ever asked from Kingston was a hundred percent. For someone who thinks the whole world hates him, Kingston sure has a lot of people behind him. AEW fans love Eddie Kingston and they deserve him at his very best. Problem is, Moxley knows that Kingston uh, he knows Kingston better than Kingston knows himself, and he knows that Kingston can't beat him. Moxley said that he's done favors for Kingston in the past, but if Kingston wants the triple crown, he's going to have to earn it. Kingston said that Mox talks enough and said not to treat him like his young boy, bitch Wheeler Yuta. Kingston reminded Moxley that he broke him before and he can break him again. Kingston, the king of the bums, He's going to push Moxley this Saturday. Kingston rem- uh, reminded that Moxley that Moxley said the com- the company needs people like Kingston to help teach the new generation, help shape the young guys. He said, when I almost wanted to quit AEW, you told me I shouldn't, and I didn't. Kingston said Moxley needs to show his fighting spirit, and he's going to bust Moxley up and enjoy it before saying, he said, I'm going to bust you up and enjoy it. And then he goes, that was my outline. Basically saying, all right, my promo's over, play my music. So yeah. Basically, Moxley is saying, Eddie can't win the big one. Eddie can't put everything into it. And Eddie isn't going to be able to beat him. But then Eddie's over here saying, no, 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 no. Don't overlook me. So I liked it. What'd you think? 
That was good. It was a very effective promo. Right. So, Lexi Nair's backstage with Christian Cage, Nick Wayne, and Shayna Wayne. And so they teased this segment earlier, and they're all waiting, and he's like, is Adam Copeland ever going to show up? And then he looks over and goes, wait, who are you and where's Renee? <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Lexi's like, wait, I n- never mind. So, anyways, we're supposed to do this little sit-down interview. And Christian's like, so, again, Adam Copeland unprofessional, making us sit here and wait, waiting, making Mother Wayne stand here all night. And eventually, all of a sudden, Adam Copeland runs into the room and attacks Nick and starts brawling with Christian. Security tries to break this all up, but to no avail. Copeland had no problem going through all of them as the brawl spilled out into the aisle or the hallway. A bunch of wrestlers tried to separate them too. Copeland broke uh, broke free of them holding him back. Got some more shots in on Christian, and then Copeland yelled that Cage is his come Saturday. He also yelled, oh no, Cage then yelled, you're nothing more than a coward, Copeland. So, yeah. This just showed the whole, like, fight anywhere and do anything in the no DQ match. Cool. It's whatever. I mean, it didn't hype me up anymore for the match. But again, like I said, probably my most anticipated match of the night because there's a good chance this match goes either. No, not a good chance, but this match, out of every other match on the show, I think this is the one that can go either way. Yeah, I agree. Because, like, if you look at the card, it's like, Wheeler Yuta ain't beating Hook. Moxley and Kingston, probably Kingston. Julia Hart ain't losing to Abaddon. Storm ain't losing to Riho. It doesn't matter at all who wins the eight-man tag. Swerve's not losing to Keith Lee. Miro's probably beating Andrade. And a good chance MJF defends against Joe. So, everything else is kind of predictable-ish. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Like, wait, who'd you, who'd you say you think you would win against Adam Copeland, Christian? Well, that's the thing. I'm, I have a feeling Copeland's going to win, but I can see it going either way. That's the uh, one that's... I li- feel like... That match is the least... Like, per- go for it. I feel like Copeland should win. Right. I feel like if he lost this match, then, like, people are going to start criticizing Tony Khan of, like, oh, they already, like, buried Adam Copeland. They're not... They're True. not using him correctly. True, but at the same time, it's like I can see it going either way. Right. But you do uh-huh. Adam. But but here's the thing: you do Adam Copeland. That gives you the third match. That gives you the Ooh. the uh, uh, rubber match because Christian won the first one. Copeland wins the second one. You do the second. You do the third one. What inside of a cage or something? Because you know Luchasaurus is probably going to return and try to get involved. But I don't know. What if? Ooh, what if? Uh... Well, it's not really the Luchasaurus right now. I think it's Kill Switch. Oh, yeah, my bad. What if uh, Kill Switch returned and screwed over Christian Cage? Well, that's what I'm saying. I, that's why I said I could see Luchasaurus getting involved or Kill Switch, whatever you want to call him, and then turning on Christian. And that's why you need a cage. But no one can get involved next time. Screws over Christian. I think Adam Copeland would probably win the second one. 
if they do a second match. Well, no, this is the second match. Then... This is the second match because they had one a couple oh, weeks yeah, like ago. A, I meant like I meant like a third match actually. Yeah, yeah. If they do a third match, third match, the rubber you match, do, like, rubber match. Am Copeland wins that one, then you get a kill switch versus uh, Christian Cage at Revolution, maybe. Or you do Copeland and kill switch against Christian and Nick Wayne. Tag match. A revolution? Potentially. Depending on I when... First do, Go for I'd it. probably do like a, like a month of like Kill Switch and Christian Cage, then that then right. by revolution time we get the tag match. Right. Moving forward, an okay match. Sky Blue and Chris Statlander. So they had the way on commentary. They asked him about him trying to start some drama in the women's division. Um, Statlander. Oh, they also uh, told us that Willow Nightingale is going to be on a Food Network show next week. She's going to be on, uh, it's called uh, Super Chef Grudge Match. I've watched it a couple times. It's pretty cool. Pretty good show. Basically what it is is you take the two big-time chefs that are big names on Food Network, and they bring their favorite knife, and they have to put their favorite knife on the line, and then the winner of the, there's like different rounds and everything they have to cook in and this and that. But the winner actually gets to take the loser's knife home. Their favorite knife in their collection. And I guess Willow maybe is going to be a guest judge or something on the show. Because they usually bring in guest judges. They're starting season two of the show next week. So Willow's going to appear on Food Networks. That's going to be cool. Anyways, Statlander got an early takedown. And no sold a shot from behind by Blue, who was ragdolled around with multiple body slams. Blue tried a head scissors, but Statlander cartwheeled out and hit a dropkick for a two. There was a delayed vertical suplex from Statlander as Hathaway talked about the toughness of Chris Statlander coming back from multiple injuries, while his cousin, Leon, who works at AutoZone, twisted his ankle and has been gone for four years. Popped me a little bit. I thought that was funny. Blue gained control or right before a picture-in-picture break until Statlander fired back with a series of clotheslines. Statlander connected with the Chaos Theory for a two. Blue then answered with a code blue for a two of her own. Blue wanted a second rope Hurricane Rana, but Statlander countered into a powerbomb. While going back and forth on commentary with Taz, Hathaway made a Tevin Campbell reference, which got me, because if you don't know, Tevin Campbell is the voice of Powerline. A goofy movie. Uh, Blue and Statlander fought in the corner where Blue slid out of a superplex attempt and it took the ref. This then allowed Julia Hart to appear from under the ring and deck Statlander with a TBS championship. Blue connected with a cheeky Nando's kick followed by an avalanche code Blue to pick up the victory. So very predictable here with Julia Hart getting involved. But Sky Blue does pick up the win. Afterwards, Blue and Statlander kept it. Uh, Blue kept attacking Statlander. Hart then delivered a sliding clothesline. Blue then snapped on a dragon sleeper. Willow tried to make the save. Hart and Blue ran away. Abaddon appeared. And there we go. What'd you think? Mm, match was okay. I, I don't think Abaddon takes the belt off of Julia Hart. I think eventually it's probably going to be Thunder Rosa. I mean, interesting one. I never thought of that, but I mean, she's, yeah. I mean, I mean, she's good to go. I mean, she wrestled. 
Last, I think last Saturday. Yep. Tag match. And won. Which, that result baffled me. If you're building up Abaddon as the challenger for Julia Hart, why did why did um Thunder Rosa get the win? Yeah, because they're in San Antonio? No. That should have been Abaddon getting the pin because she is the challenger you're supposed to be building up. But that's unless, neither here nor there. The, I mean, it made sense because it was her first match back right. in like 500 days. So you wanted to like make her seem like, hey, I'm back. I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. But I'd say for storyline purposes, it should have been Abaddon. Right. We go to the back, and it looks like the outcasts have replaced Tony Storm. Renee's backstage with Ruby and Soraya, who interrupted to tell her that she has a birthday present for Ruby. Harley Cameron then walks in, and Soraya says that she's a good little helper who will do anything. She's good with her hands. So said that she hears before getting a phone call. Uh, uh, Soho said so. Then she hears before getting a phone call from Angela Parker. She walks off, and Paquette asked how this partnership with Soraya and Cameron happened. Cameron then pulled out a knife for some reason. Soraya said, no, 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 I'm not talking about that. And then she's like, calm down. And she's like, oh, yeah, we'll talk more next week. It was kind of weird. Very weird. Like, none of this made sense at all. So QTV okay. is done. So they just need something else for Harley Cameron to do, who's been missing from TV for a while. Cool. All right. All right. QTV is dead. Well, yeah. Q- QT is done at the end of the week. Like, he's basically done now. His contract expires on the 1st. So next Monday, he's a free agent. Like, they already got Johnny TV, like, shoved down in Ring of Honor. Yeah. Like, they they dropped the ball on him quickly. So, this all happens, and there's five minutes left in the show. And then they go to a break, and we're supposed to get an ROH tag title match. Good. Oh, yeah. I just can't stop coughing. Anyways. And so we go to a break with five minutes left in the show. And I'm like, yeah, this match ain't happening. And apparently I had missed a tweet from Tony Khan like 30 minutes prior that said that we will go as long as we need. We've got like an indefinite overrun or something. So I didn't even know that. And they didn't say it on the show at all. But we come back. And the two henchmen are in the ring. They come in from the crowd. MJF then walks out first and then no Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe is seen on the screen in the back laid out screaming. He's clutching his leg as if he was just attacked. MJF then says, you know what? I'm going to do this myself. I'm still defending the titles. Bryce Remsburg called the match. Bryce calls for the bell. His shoulders all heavily taped up and banged up. MJF rushed one of the henchmen at the bell and tried to unmask him. But was hung up, was hung up by another who was ultimately, uh, excuse me, who would ultimately backdrop him on the floor. MJF tried to unmask him, and then the ref was distracted with henchman number one, so another henchman came in and attacked MJF with a pipe. They threw MJF in the ring. MJF was then dropped with a heat seeker and pinned. The freaking henchmen are now the ROH World Tag Team Champions. What? I mean, it kind of makes sense. But then, yeah. So these henchmen are not the cha- are now the champions. I have a good feeling these tag team champions are the kingdom. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. So then, post-match, all the henchmen are attacking MJF when Samoa Joe would hobble down to the ring with a chair 
the henchmen leave. As Joe helps up MJF, the devil appears on the screen and says, pleasure doing business with you. Or it says on the screen, whatever, pleasure doing business with you. And MJF's like confused. And then they recreate Seth Rollins turning on the shield because it was blatantly obvious MJF is here. Joe is standing behind him, but to the side a little bit with a chair in hand. And then, boom, he hits MJF in the back with the chair. It's then known that, oh, he's been working with the devil. Joe then takes MJF, hits him with a muscle buster, and holds up the AEW world title high above the ring or above his head as he's got a boot on MJF's chest, and the show goes off the air. So yeah, then they send it to John Cena and Nicole Byers on a wipeout already in progress. So yeah, what did you think of MJF losing the tag titles and Joe swindling him, Joe swerving him, I guess you would say, into thinking he was attacked by the devil when all along he's been working with the devil? I mean, it's interesting. I mean, what if, what if on Saturday... MJF wins and then he like goes up to Joe, beats the crap out and be like, who's the devil? And Joe's like, like, I won't tell you. Here's my thing though. The whole thing with Joe was, I want to make sure you're a hundred percent. I don't want to challenge you if you're not at a hundred percent. And now Joe attacked him tonight and laid him out and he got the bad shoulder and everything. He's not, a, none of that. Now what? So Joe never wanted him at a hundred percent then? Now Unless, it just kind of makes that kind of stupid. I'm yes curious no. what, the, what the deal is, though, like, that the, he made with that devil. Oh, oh, I didn't think about it that way. So you're thinking, what does he now owe the devil or something? Or, like, what does the devil, like, owe him, though? Like, Well, no, what we're supposed to think is the devil injured MJF ahead of the title match. To give Joe the upper hand. That's what we're supposed to think. At least that's how I interpreted it. So now we're gonna think, okay, so if the devil helped Joe, what does the Joe have what does Joe have to do in return? You know what I mean? Right. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll be fun. It'll be cool. I'm in I'm intrigued, I will say, to see how that match does go. I am. It'll be the main event. But again, I'm still more hyped up for whatever this Christian Copeland match is going to be because, well, uh, they're they're going to go all out. I can I can tell you that right now. Oh yeah, they are. But that that is going to wrap everything up. I want to say thank you for joining us here. Twitch.tv forward slash pwunlimited, YouTube.com forward slash pro wrestling unlimited, and podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember. Uh, this podcast is also brought to you by Upscale Bling. So let's talk about them real quick. Are you looking to up your accessory game? Why not do so with Upscale Bling? Upscale Bling is your source for in-style chains, watches, rings, and many more awesome products to level up your wardrobe. Not only are their products high quality, but they're also affordable. Don't take just my word for it. Go check them out right now at blingupscale.com. Head over to blingupscale.com right now and use code PWUNLIMITED at checkout to get 20% off.
off your entire order. Again, that's code PWUnlimited at checkout for 20% off at blingupscale.com. Check it out today. With that, Luke, tell me they can find you. You can find me over at Twitter at Petkey underscore Toy One. And you can also find me over at Twitch at Young Grasshopper Luke. Oh, you changed your name. Yeah, I feel like I needed to change it. Well, that's cool, Young Grasshopper Luke. Nice, nice, nice. So with that, guys, I think I'm going to go live here shortly. Playing some Fortnite, twitch.tv forward slash Timmy Buddy. We'll head over there, follow, hang out, and have some fun. So with that, have a great rest of your night. We'll see you back here Friday morning for the wrestling wrap-up. No Friday night pay-per-view or no Friday night podcast because there's no actual SmackDown. And then we'll be back Saturday evening for AEW World's End. So with that, guys, have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one, guys.